Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested. Good morning and welcome to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Mike Miller, your host for today. We welcome you to our show today and hope that we can give you some information that will help make you a, a better financial steward of the resources that God's given you and that you can do the right things and hopefully also prevent you from perhaps doing some wrong things that you that you shouldn't do. We're going to be talking about estate planning, estate planning mistakes. We're talking about joint ownership versus uh, power of attorney versus just leaving the assets outright in to your, through your will. That's one of many, many topics we'll be covering today and a lot of information here about estate planning, a lot of mistakes that are made, and we want to make sure that you do the right kinds of things. Some interesting statistics, and some of these are probably not going to be a surprise to, to most of you. These were put out in the Journal of Financial Planning about a year ago, and I'm sure they haven't changed much since then. But they always have this page called the Stat Bank, and I saved these because it was I wanted to use them for the next time we talked about estate planning. And some of the statistics are as follows. So 36% of U.S. adults with children under age 18 who have estate planning documents in place. That's how many have est- So there's a lot of people who don't have estate planning documents in place who have children under 18. Uh, 81%. That's the number of people age 72 or, and older who have estate planning documents in place. So the big difference between someone 72 and older and those who have children under age 18, which I assume in most cases is not the same person, although I think some couples, you hear some of these Hollywood couples and some others that have children when they are 72 or older, uh, I feel for them. Anyway, the next statistic, 17%, that's the number of people who don't have a will, who said they don't have one because they don't want to think about death. Of course, not thinking about it, doesn't keep it from happening. 50%, that's the amount of inheritances that are squandered shortly after receipt. And I've seen that. Uh, you, you hear that with lottery winnings, but it also happens with inheritances. And that doesn't really matter the size. So 50% of all inheritances that are, squ- are squandered shortly after they get them, they don't have the, they, they don't have the, the, the values transferred along with the valuables so they don't know they don't understand uh, about the money it's like free money to them my partner you former partner used to uh, joke around about how uh, his he, he knew people who their their kids would probably stop by the bank on the way after the mortuary and demand all their money and probably already know what they wanted to spend it all on uh, last percentage, 27 is the percentage of wills that feature some language about a pet. Now I was surprised at this. 27% have some kind of language to make sure they have their, their pet taken care of. And right above that it says 68% of all U.S. households that own a pet and 72% of millennials 
who are pet owners. So more of the younger people have the pets than, than overall the number of people around. So there was a survey, this is a survey that was done recently by Caring.com. So this article is about a year old, so it's a little over a year old that this survey was done. So the survey asked participants why estate planning documents hadn't been established yet. So 29% said they had no one to leave the assets to, or at least they didn't know who to leave the assets to, I guess. And 47% said they simply hadn't gotten around to it yet. That's according to the AARP article. So haven't done a will yet was the name of the article. Uh, One of the things that I also hear about are parents who have young children have not done their estate documents because they can't decide who to want to name as guardian. And maybe they've already asked a few people who said, no, we don't want to be guardian of your children. And that's something else to be considered. But, But if you don't name them, somebody's going to name them for you. So people say, well, I don't have a will. No, everybody has a will. Everybody has guardians named for their kids. It's either ones you named or it's one the state named for you. Your state names for you. Whether you're listening to me in North Carolina, South Carolina, or Georgia, your state has laws of intestacy which says this is what's going to happen to your state if you don't tell us what to do. So everyone's got one. So now, based on you've, how you've seen the state handle other financial matters, how many of you want the state to decide where your assets are going and who is going to take care of your children? I don't think you want that. So this is something that you have to do. And I think even with the guardianship, you want to make sure that you definitely have backups. Because how many times would you think of that happens, and I don't know the answer to this, but I'm sure it happens frequently, where you ask somebody to their face, they're friends of yours, they're family of yours, they're somebody like that who's, who says, oh, yes, I'll be glad to take care of your four kids. And then something happens to you, and then they've got these four kids. Well, they can decline. They can say, no, I, I don't want to do that anymore. So you'll have a backup. Of course, the backup might have been thinking, oh, I'm never going to have to take care of these children because they've got somebody in front of me, and I'm sure they'll take care of them. Well, maybe they will, and maybe they won't. And another thing you should consider when you're thinking about leaving your kids, the care for your children to someone else, if both of, you, both of your spouses are deceased out of the picture now, is what about the, the money? So if you have all the money going to the kids, and you have somebody different, maybe that's the, the trustee over the children's funds because they're minors, and somebody else that's the guardian because you didn't think they were good with money. You thought they were good with kids and somebody else was good with the money and you let them take care of the money part. So if you do that and, and you have even two kids, but let's say four children as in my case. When four children, all of a sudden now you're putting these children in a place to another family. Maybe they have two children and they have three bedrooms. And now there's another two children. There's another four children that come into the picture. What's the best thing for the kids, in my opinion, for, for at least some use of those funds that you're going to ultimately give to the kids? Well, I would suggest that you think about having the, the guardian and the trustees provide funds so that they could buy a bigger house, so that everyone would have plenty of room, and they can take care of those children much easier if they're not all crammed into three bedrooms, you get the four, the five-bedroom house, and, and you use your funds to help pay for that. And then, of course, depending on how many years they take care of your children, 
if you if they take care of your children for ten years or five years, then I would suggest you say, "Well, I'm going to let you keep the house." Now you got to be careful here because you don't want them going going overboard on buying this nice expensive house that that they're going to keep because they know they're going to get it when they're through. I mean, there's there's a lot of things to consider when you're con- thinking about doing something like this. But but think outside the box. Are these people going to be taking care of your kids for a while? I think they deserve something besides just the satisfaction of raising some, some more children. They're not planning on getting any of this kind of inheritance. Maybe ultimately some of that inheritance needs to come back to them to help, to help pay for them doing this. And maybe that that way that perhaps maybe they're going to be more willing to uh, take the children. Not that they wouldn't anyway. You know, there's love in here and they want to take care of the kids and do the right thing and so forth. We understand all that. But we want to make sure that the children are taken care of and taken care of well. All right, so we get back from the break. We're going to talk about the, the people not having a will, other documents that you need to consider besides a will. Ultimately, we're going to get to talking about the differences between a joint ownership and uh, just using a power of attorney and using a, a trust of some kind. We'll be right back. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust as the sponsor of Talking Money. As a trust company with clients in all 50 states, Ronald Blue Trust can serve as trustee, backup trustee, or even personal representative, what we used to call the executor or executrix. This can be a valuable service, especially if you'd like to pass on your values and not just your valuables to your heirs. Your heirs will probably have one of two perspectives. Either they will say something like, what am I going to inherit? Which is usually the common perspective. Or they will ask, what is going to be entrusted to me? What talents will I be responsible to manage? Tim Kimmel, Director of Family Matters, said it well. Quote, you can't leave character to your trust account. You can't write your values into the will. You can't bank traits like courage, honesty, and compassion in a safe deposit box. What we need is a plan a long-term strategy to convey our convictions to the next generation, unquote. Estate and trust planning are about much more than saving taxes or simply making sure your assets get transferred efficiently to your children. You can find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-PLAN. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome once again back to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for today. So glad you're with us. If you are new to Talking Money, just a refresher, this is not a sales program. You'll be glad to hear we don't sell a thing. There's not a hidden agenda. We're not trying to get you to come in the office so we can do some kind of bait and switch and get you to buy an insurance policy of some kind, annuity or something like that. No, we're out. We're very out front about uh, what we do, what we charge. Uh, we're a fee-for-service um, financial planning is how I like to operate. I've always, uh, not always, but since uh, early 90s, which seems like always, I've operated that on a fee-only basis. So we think it's important to, to do the best we can, being objective and being a fiduciary to help clients answer answer their questions and head in the right direction. Same thing we do with talking money. So we want to make sure that that you understand that we're here to try to help you be a better steward of your uh, financial planning. You can send a question to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. 
and I'll get your question and send it and answer that at a future Talking Money show. But just to I always like to remind folks we're not trying to sell anything. Today we're talking about estate planning. So we're going to talk about we talk about having a will and that everyone has a will. So either the state provides it for you or you're going to provide your own. There's other documents in addition to a will that you really need to consider having. And if you go see a qualified estate planning attorney, and I do say that word strongly, the qualified part, uh, I think virtually any attorney would, would do a will for you. But they probably should not be doing the will. There's a lot of intricacies with estate planning that if you don't do estate planning all the time, that you're not going to know about. You just don't. And the same thing with going to use one of these online services. Uh, They may be fine for you. I don't know uh, because I don't know your situation. So for me to recommend them, I, I just can't do it. So I think you need to see a a competent, if it's somebody who is a certified specialist in estate planning in their estate, that's that's even better. And it's not really going to cost you probably that much more than an attorney that doesn't do estate planning all the time. And to me, the co- extra cost is well worth it because of the kind of questions they're going to ask you that, that a software program, an online service, usually doesn't know to ask you because they don't know your situation and can't know your situation that well. So I think it's important to work with a professional to do that. And since you only get your will done at at a minimum probably every five years, and most people every 10 or 15 or 20 years, you spread that cost over that many years, and it's really not that expensive to use a competent estate planning attorney. And we've had a number of, on, number of them as my guest on Talking Money over the years and be happy to give you a name of someone if you want to email that to me, and I'll get some more of your situation to find out which attorney might be the best one in your particular situation. I'll give you a couple of names of different attorneys, and you can pick from those. But I would have confidence about any any of the names that I gave you, but still it'd be up to you to, to make that decision. But one of the other documents you need to look at is a health care power of attorney. Now, that one, that includes a living will, typically. So you hear about the living will, so that's going to be the document, that the end-of-life document that says I can pull the plug, that kind of document. That's usually included inside the health care power of attorney. Uh, so the will is about dividing up your property when you're not around. The, the health care power of attorney is only good until you pass, off, pass away. So in a regular durable power of attorney or financial power of attorney is also only good until you pass away. So the difference between the power of attorney and the personal representatives used to be called the executor, executrix. It's been the PR or personal representative for quite some time now. The difference would be they take over at death. So once the power of, once somebody dies, the power of attorney is no good anymore. So that I'll clear up that confusion for you in case that was something you were thinking. Uh, another um, item that this article in the Journal of Financial Planning talked about is that there's an issue besides not having will and, or only having will and not having some of these other documents is not updating beneficiaries. So you need to make sure you keep updated with those beneficiaries. And let me tell you, it can, it can cause real problems if you're just going by your memories. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's my spouse's primary, my kids are the contingent beneficiary. If you don't set those up correctly, you can have a... Uh, problem and your assets may not go where you want them to go. Well, they give an example here. This one um, financial planner wrote in Forbes. She shared uh, she shared how she had divorced her husband when her children were ages two and four and changed her IRA beneficiary to her father. And it seemed to make sense because her kids were too young. Twenty years later, all right, so her children had to be 22 and 24. She realized she had she hadn't updated that. 
despite her kids being grown. She said, if I'd passed away before making a change, it could have been a disaster for my family. Well, the assets would have gone to her dad, and her dad could have still gone to, to get them to them. But if her dad, she doesn't say this, but perhaps her dad was not even living anymore, then it would go to his estate. And then, and then what's going to happen to it after that? It's going to end up going to her other brothers and sisters if she had some, maybe other uh, nieces and nephews if she had some of those. And just because the father's not there anymore to, to, to divvy out those assets. And there's also tax issues when it's an IRA. The person who's the beneficiary is the one who's going to take the money out, and they're going to pay taxes at their own bracket. Well, likely the father is going to be in a higher bracket potentially than the 22- and 24-year-olds if they got the money at that time, or especially if they got it even younger than that. So there's there's a lot of things to consider when you're trying to to figure all this stuff out. But updating your beneficiaries, make sure you have them correct. And one other point I'll make here is I would I'd recommend that you work with a custodian that allow you to put the language, the per stirpes language in there if that works out for your particular estate plan. So the the way that works is if you had, let's say, three children of your own and you had one child that had children. So you have grandchildren by one of your children. The other two did not have any children. They're married, not married, doesn't matter at this point. The the child that has the children, if they predecease you and you don't change the beneficiary, and then you pass away, so the beneficiary is now who? So you have two. Instead of three beneficiaries, you have two. And the two children that are beneficiaries don't have children. The one who had children had already passed away. Their share, if you don't use that per stirpes language, is going to go to the other two, per capita to the other two, the two that are left. And effectively, that disinherits your grandchildren. You didn't think about it, you didn't know it, but that's what you did. And another point to consider here would be if you have an in-law that you like. So you have a, uh, two sons, and they are married, and you love their their spouses. You see that there's not going to be any problem. It looks like no divorce in the future, and you love them like your own children and so forth. Then you might want to consider naming them as a beneficiary or as a secondary beneficiary in this document in your will and potentially in your uh, beneficiary designations because an in-law is not going to be automatically. Some people think, okay, well, if my son's not there, my daughter-in-law will get it. Well, she may be guardian of the money and, and watch over the money for the children, her children, but she's not going to be able to use any of it for herself, not directly for herself, just for the benefit of the children. So if you want to make sure that they have access just like your your actual child does, then you actually have to name them so that they are privy to that money. Otherwise, they're, they're not going to be. And we've talked about digital assets in the past. Uh, you want to make sure that people know your passwords and can get into assets and, and give them the right kinds of, of um, access, uh, authority to access that. So this article talks about how um, this was recently brought to the forefront when the CEO of uh, Quadriga CX, I've not, never heard of that company, it's a Canadian crypto exchange, died in December without giving the password to offline cryptocurrency wallets to anyone. Customers with $190 million in cryptocurrency stored with Quadriga CX might not see their investment again 
While neglecting digital assets likely won't cause your clients' heirs millions, this is a reminder to not ignore them. So this is somebody that was even in that business, and he knew something about digital assets. He knew something about passwords. He did not give the passwords. It's hard to believe that the, somebody like that would not give the password to someone uh, as they're going through some of that. As we wrap up this segment, if you have any questions or would like to learn more about any of the topics, estate planning, or other topics I cover on other programs, you can reach out to your financial advisor, your CPA, your attorney, whomever it is you talk to that you have confidence in giving you counsel. Uh, we do believe, however, that it's very important to work with an advisor who shares your values and your biblical worldview. So for more information about that, please call me, Mike Miller, 800-588-7526, or send an email to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Thanks for joining me today. We'll talk to you next week for the next Talking Money.